We know that our government is perfect and without flaw because the Bible tells us that God himself appoints the rulers of the world. If God is perfect, then the rulers he has placed over us must also be perfect and deserve unquestioning loyalty, especially if they believe and do every single thing that benefits us. Amen? This is the Bible After Hour. Can you hear me? Is, is this thing on? Okay, good. I am the foul-mouthed preacher, and this is the underground church. The word vulgar originally just meant to speak the language of the people. That's what Jesus did. It's what the apostles did. It's what Paul did. That's what we're going to do here today. The church above wants to tell people that, if you, that we should all love and obey the government, and especially if that government is doing what we want them to do. But if it inconveniences the leaders of the church above, they often find reasons why we should be against that kind of rulership, right? The church above encourages us to want, they want, they, they want us to believe politically what they want us to believe, but they seldomly explain how we ought to engage politically as Christians. They focus on what we, they want us to believe without focusing on how we should engage. And sometimes maybe the way to engage is just as important as what we do believe as Christians concerning our politics. We went over the book of Judges. You know, I, I think the book of Judges is incredibly important. We're thinking of the, nece the necessity for Christians to engage in politics. We see how fucked up shit gets when we don't care about our politics. The book of Judges, three or four times over, people did what they wanted because there wasn't any ruler. Shit got fucked up. It got dark. You know, we saw at the end of uh, the book of Judges that there was rape, murder, genocide, people stealing women. Like, it just, it was shitty. Like, it, it was fucked up. And that's why we cannot overlook or skip over the book of Judges when we study the Bible. I hope everybody got something, something out of that study. Um, we're going to continue it today with the character of Samuel. We're not going to keep going after that into David or any of the others. I'll tell you what we're going to do next later on in the episode, but... I think it's important we talk about Samuel, even though he's not in the book of Judges. He's the last judge, and he's the one who rules Israel about having a king. So after all this shit, where we see how fucked up things get without politics, without leaders, Samuel comes along and says, hey, wait a minute, you don't want a king, that's bad too. Not having a ruler is shitty, having a ruler is shitty, what's not shitty, Samuel? We're going to talk about that. I was a Republican in the United States of America until around a decade ago. Um, I was taught that the, the evils that Bill Clinton did, I was taught all about that, right? And I was told the Democrats are all kind of like that. Liberals are all wicked. You know, they do inappropriate things with women, all that kind of stuff. That God does not allow us to follow leaders with such poor Christians, with such poor character. Then I watched these same Christians who told me those things begin to support a man named Donald Trump for president with undying loyalty. A man with even lower character than Bill Clinton, who did even more inappropriate things with women cheated on his wife. Some people justify this. They claim that Trump's politics can be separated from his actions. I'm not trying to shit on people who like Donald Trump, or I'm not trying to shit on Republicans. I'm just telling you what I saw. It looked like a level of hypocrisy that I, I couldn't comprehend. And it made me rethink all of my own political ideology. I understand a lot of people aren't going to see eye to eye with me on this. I'm just telling you what I saw and how it impacted me. I still think of myself as politically conservative, even if I'm more theologically liberal. But the conservative party in America today has strayed so far from anything that I can comfortably support that I feel like I've become politically homeless in my own nation. I bring that up because that's a lot of what the Bible speaks to. And I know a lot of people out there 
have to feel similarly to me. You feel homeless in a political landscape that makes no sense to you here in America or wherever you're listening. Weirdly enough, the Bible speaks directly to us, directly to those who feel like I do, feel politically hopeless, who have anxiety over the political landscape where they live and are confused on how to interact. And the Bible tells us exactly how we should engage in politics as Christians through Samuel's example. 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 If you've ever felt like this, politically hopeless, if you're confused about how a Christian should engage in politics, if you're just conflicted on how to think about politics at all, then the story of Samuel will help. Samuel outlives his own political landscape. He's rejected as a leader, and he appoints the first two kings of Israel as everyone around him just shits on him constantly. Samuel was the man of God who was shit on and appointed the kings and was rejected. He was a man who had great honor bestowed upon him, but also great rejection, politically homeless. The church has been martyred and persecuted by governments in the past. We were the lowest of the low. We, were, we grew through persecution. The church has also been over nations. We've conquered and destroyed others and martyred other religious people, other ethnicities. The church has been corrupt and evil in its leadership. The church also plays an important part of manipulating politics today both for the good and for evil, you know, where the church, if it's certain leaders of the church back certain politicians, you see them succeed. You see the church attack other politicians and you see that causing a lot of problem for them politically here in America and abroad in other countries. The church has always been active politically, even when it acts like it's not. So who is Samuel? What's his story? Well, he not only was he the last judge of Israel, he has an, a phenomenal story. He kind of bridges the gap of our biblical narrative where we go from judges and, and having no rulers to, to the setup where you're going to have a king and prophet at all times. In fact, it's where you see later on that the people of Israel have king prophet, like two different branches in the book of Zechariah. And then later on, you'll see that Jesus is called both the prophet and the king as an homage to the system that's set up here in Samuel's own time. So he was a prophet and a judge, the last judge of Israel, who isn't in the book of Judges. Anyway... He starts off with a weird birth narrative. That's how you always know someone's important. Um, it's just a motif in ancient literature. He starts off with, you know, his mom's not able to have a kid. He's, she goes out and she's begging for a blessing, begging for this. Says that she'll give her child to the church, basically. It wasn't a church because, you know, they're Jewish, whatever. It's fucked up. But in that time, having a child at all was an honor. And to not have one was incredible dishonor. So she's giving the honor of childbearing. Birth Samuel gives him over to the temple. They kind of raise him. He has these dreams of trying to figure out what it sounds like to hear God. And he has a whole story where he learns to communicate with God, learns who God's voice, all that kind of thing. He grows up to be a prophet and the judge of Israel, leading Israel in, in a lot of peace. But Israel gets jealous of all the other nations around them having kings. And say, you know what? We kind of look shitty. Everybody else has a king. We don't have a king. Kind of, you know, kind of fucking sucks, right? Like, why can't we be like everybody else? They sound like school children. Because they fucking are. Anyway, so they they throw a fit. And in Samuel's old age, he has, you know, he's had children not in his own age. He had children and in his old age. People are like, well, we don't want them to start ruling us. We don't want these prophets. We don't want this kind of rulership that's set up. So God is setting up a rulership with Samuel, this prophet rulership, him and his kids, this relation to the temple, this intimate connection to the things of God and to a polity that is actually, that is have developing a structure. But rather than letting that take place, the people of Israel rebel and ask Samuel to appoint a king. 
Samuel doesn't want to do this. Samuel grew up in a certain political situation with certain political ideas, and those ideas are being shunned. But he talks to God, and God says, yeah, they're wrong. Give it to them anyway. Give them this warning that they will have evil, fucked-up kings, and they'll have great, blessed kings. Samuel warns them. A lot of times this gets taught as, God warned them not to have kings, and they chose to have kings because God was supposed to be their king. Well, no, hold up. Remember that entire book of Judges, they needed a ruler. God's pretty clear that rulers are good, people need them, or things get shitty. Really, really fucking shitty. So that's not the point. The point isn't, oh, they shouldn't have had a ruler. The point was, and if you read carefully, especially in 1 Samuel 8, God doesn't want them to have rulers like this. God doesn't want them to just look like all the other nations. God wants them to be more than the other nations, to have a different kind of politic, not to just have the same politics everyone else is having that's failing. Why would you choose to have a politics where everybody else has the same polity and that fucking sucks? God had something better for them, but they didn't want it. Here's the thing we have to remember, though. God still blesses it. Jesus comes from David's lineage, a king that is appointed by Samuel. David is called the man after God's own heart. God uses this king prophet setup that comes up out of this for his own good, for righteousness, for glory, for, for the health and well-being of his people. So yeah, this wasn't the best path he could have chose. God had a different polity in mind. God still blesses this, and this is still better than having no polity. Go see judges again. So yeah, Samuel has to appoint Saul, knowing it's going to be a wicked king, knowing it's going to fuck up his country, knowing that it goes against his own political beliefs. Here Samuel is rejected. Here Samuel is in a nation of people who don't believe in the same political system as him. Not even the same ideology, but just not even the same system that he believes. Politically homeless. Samuel's called by God to bless and announce what the people want. Not what Samuel wants, not what God wants, but what the people chose. This is God's will, not we get everything our way, that the church is right and that we pick someone who is a Bible-believing whatever. No, God's way is to bless even the poor decisions, to be there as a part of the political system, even if we think the political system's fucking dumb. That's what God calls us to. That's what God called Samuel to do. That's what Samuel does. I do want to pause here because I just remembered last podcast, I talked about them, the people going to the city of Bethel not being the same city as Jesus. Uh, Bethel and Bethlehem are two different places. I got that mixed up. I was wrong. Quick disclaimer, in the random middle of this episode, that's incorrect. I still think a lot of what we said last time is worth merit, so I'm not going to take it down because I think it's important to think about the difference of a God who is calling people to genocide and war or a God who is calling Jesus, who is this king of peace, um, and to just kind of compare those two different things. The reason I thought about it here in the middle of the episode is because of, of this nature of God doesn't want us to be without rulership. We see that throughout the book of Judges. We cannot forget that. Things get fucked up without rulership. God also doesn't want our kings to look just like everybody else. We are called to a higher standard. In America, what does that look like? I think it looks like voting for people with character. Wherever you live, it might look different. But I think the key here is Jesus should be our ultimate authority. Not that we have no authority, but rather that our authority is in the person of Jesus. And then whatever political system we're in, we bless that system and be an active part of it, knowing that our ultimate authority is in Christ. Anyway, I diverge. Saul turns out bad. Don't know if you know this, we're not going to get into the story of Saul, but uh, it, it turns out shitty, just like it was predicted. Saul originally was a man of God. He was a powerful man. He was, he was a good man who got corrupted by the power that comes with kingship. 
Again, it wasn't a good political system. Samuel was right. And here's the deal. Samuel doesn't criticize the system. He doesn't come out and be like, see, you're all fucking dumb. Start talking shit about all the people. What he does do, though, with the power of God, the blessing of God, Samuel does criticize Saul for being a bad leader. See, we are called to honor our leaders, but that does not mean we are not called also to criticize them when they're in the wrong. A Christian, a person of God, a man of God is to do both to respect and honor the leadership in the political system that we are in, and also to criticize publicly and announce things that are wicked in our leadership. The story of Samuel continues. He has some problem with his kids, some shit goes down. That's also another story. Um, there's a lot of stories in Samuel. I mean, he has two books of the Bible that he lives through most, or part of, uh, not even most of, but you know, he's in. he dies like halfway through. It's crazy. Anyway, Samuel, after seeing the wickedness of Saul, God has Samuel appoint a different king, which is David, which is who the lineage of Jesus comes to. It's the man after God's own heart. David is like the ruler of Israel, the one that they all look at as the, the best, rule, greatest ruler, all these things. Historically, though, he really wasn't. We see other people who, you know, more power was given to Israel historically. We see times where more wealth was given to Israel historically. But we see David and Josiah specifically are the kings that God really blesses that he calls his own that the bible talks as if they're the best kings but historically they're not historically they're not the ones where the most power came in they're not the ones where the most wealth was coming to israel they're not the ones that allow god's people to have the most so why does the bible act as if josiah and david were the best because there's a different priority for god's people when we're thinking about politics than the rest of the world we're not prioritizing wealth and money and power god's prioritizing those who are after his heart those who have good character, those who care about the outsiders, those who are going to be loving, who have humility, those are the rulers that God lifts up and that God's people are called to admonish. The rulers who maybe were the most powerful, look at Ahab. Ahab is a ruler that is completely shit on in the Bible, but he had all kinds of power given to Israel while he was there, historically. Bible shits on him, why? He wasn't a man of character. He wasn't a man after God's heart. He wasn't a man of humility. He wasn't a man who was helping the outcasts, the poor, the needy. God wants us to criticize even rulers that are bringing power and wealth to our nation if they don't have character. And God wants us to admonish and lift up those even if they're not bringing all the power and wealth to us. Josiah really didn't make the nation of Israel that great. We're still supposed to admonish the leaders with good character and humility even if the country isn't in the best situation. Why? Because that's not the shit God cares about, so it's not the shit we should care about. This is a story of how not only do politics matter, but good politics matter. Not only do good politics matter, but character matters. Honor matters. It matters to God and it should matter to his people. Samuel was the king. He was politically homeless. He was rejected as a leader. He disagreed with the entire political ideology of his country. He blessed it anyway. He criticized the evil ruler. He lifted up David even in the system he didn't agree with. Why? Because David had humility and David was a man who strived to be after God's. We are called to be like Sam. If you're in a democratic nation, guess what? You're a kingmaker. You're voting. And you get a choice to vote for a man of character or a man without character. Sometimes everybody has without character. So that's not the only, you know, you know, there are other criteria to look at. I understand that. But when we're thinking about the things that matter to God in our politics, it's character, it's humility, it's honor. It's whether or not we're caring for the poor, for the outcast, the immigrant. These are the things that God cares about, and these are the things God wants his people to care about in politics. How do we engage? 
like Samuel, we publicly criticize evil kings, whether or not our nation's doing good. We publicly admonish good kings, whether or not our nation is being blessed by them or being brought down by them. God's people are to engage politics wisely, not just copy what others are doing. You know, the, the people of Israel just wanted a king because everybody else had a king. We're not supposed to just copy what others are doing. We're supposed to engage politics wisely. We should strive for a different kind of government wherever we live. We should change the lane, landscape of where we live by how we engage, and whether it's in small gov town governments where we're engaging with the school system, where we're engaging with our governors, with our senators, with our town representatives. We're engaging on the small level and on the large level with who we vote for president, who our senators are, all of those kinds of things. We should be changing the landscape of where we live for how we engage in our politics, not just with a vote, but also hands-on, getting in there and helping the town you live in and not just hoping your leaders do it admonishing publicly those who are doing well and criticizing publicly those who do not. This is not, we don't do this by standards of success, but rather by glorifying what glorifies God. Not because we want the leaders who say Jesus, Jesus, Jesus and pump, pump the Bible, because some of them are pretty shitty. Saul was one of those. But rather by uplifting the leaders who are actually doing the things of God, by helping the needy and the immigrant. We should be more concerned with what our leaders, we should be more concerned with leaders who care for others are humble, have honor, and help those in need over those who might bring us success or wealth and might not have any kind, any honor or the kind of character that God cares about. So engage in politics on all levels. Engage in your town in building up what matters, helping the homeless in your community, working at the retirement homes in your community. Engage. Still, call out publicly what is wrong and admonish publicly what is good. If we do this, God's people will be known for what we prioritize. If we, if we vote and we talk publicly about how much we care about healthy economics, that's what we'll be known for. If we vote for people with character, that's what we'll be known for. If we're outspoken about power and stature and how we want the church to be in a place of importance in our nation, that's what we'll be known for. Or if we vote and talk about how we want to humbly submit to our government, we'll be known for that instead. What do we want to be known for? Healthy economics or character? Power and stature or humility? Love for our borders or love for the outsiders? What do God's people want to be known for? It's how you engage in your politics is going to tell the world what kind of people we are. I don't want you to share this on your public social media accounts if, if you think it might offend someone. If you know anyone, no one on your account is going to care, go ahead and share it. But if you think it might offend someone, don't, don't do that. Well, here's not to offend you. I do want you to share this with one friend or family member you think might benefit from hearing this stuff who will engage with you in a conversation about politics and what we want to be known for as we engage in a meaningful way and call out publicly our leaders. Guys, let's bring the church back to the front. Thank you for listening. This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, go to the website in the description below. If you'd like to check out other shows like this, be sure to subscribe to the network.